This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the civilian vigilantes which have become popular on social media? First, I'll look at the background of the vigilante trend, move to the timeline of a high-profile case in Indiana, and offer my analysis. A relatively new trend has formed, which involves self-appointed and self-proclaimed vigilantes. From 2019, up until the time that I'm making this video, at least 160 groups of vigilantes have been operating in the United States. They primarily try to set up sting operations to catch people who would commit offenses against children. Many of these groups trace their origins back to a series on NBC called To Catch a Predator. It was canceled in 2008 because one of the people who was caught brought an end to their own life. The Washington Post has an article about the vigilante phenomenon that closely examined one particular case in Indiana. It involved a welder and self-appointed vigilante named Eric Schmutt, who assisted the state in prosecuting a former police officer named Joshua Clark. This case illustrates a number of the shortcomings of this trend. Now moving to the background of the individuals involved in the vigilante case in Indiana, starting with the background of Eric Schmutt. After high school, Eric had been arrested for DUI and possessing marijuana. He served a few years on probation. He tried going to community college on three different occasions, but dropped out each time. He went to welding school and found work making engine parts. He played the guitar and pursued a career as a musician, but it didn't work out. In his 20s, Eric watched every episode of To Catch a Predator multiple times. During the pandemic, he went online and found hundreds of videos featuring concerned citizens who were trying to catch various targets. Eric had read a number of conspiracy theories online, like those that say evil and satanic conspirators are trying to harm children. He wasn't sure what to think about those conspiracy theories, but they did connect with his belief system. Eric read the Bible and had a particular affinity for passages which talked about people being able to see evil people for who they really were, like a light would be shined on the wrongdoers. They would have no place to run. Eric decided to start his own organization which he called Predator Catchers 
Indianapolis. The mission of this organization is to expose people who are online and trying to meet with children. Here is essentially how Eric operates. He goes to various social media sites and dating apps and pretends to be a girl between the ages of 8 and 14. He has online conversations with various men. Eric tries to act as he believes a young girl would act. For example, he refers to adults as grown-ups and makes liberal use of the vomit emoji. Eric uses a picture of an adult woman who looks younger than her actual age. Eventually, one of the men who talk to Eric will start to introduce the idea of sex. This man becomes a target. Eric will arrange a meeting with the target in a public place, like a restaurant. When the target shows up, Eric and a number of his volunteers ambush them by yelling degrading comments. They, of course, record and broadcast the entire incident on social media. In the spring of 2021, Eric was online pretending to be a 14-year-old named Mackenzie when he started talking to a man named Jason Clark. Let's take a look at Jason's background. Jason's father allegedly mistreated Jason when he was young. On one occasion, Jason was thrown through a window and on another, locked in a basement. When Jason was 16, his father died of an overdose. Jason served in the military. In 2013, he returned from his second deployment in Afghanistan. He had terrible experiences there, which affected him profoundly in a negative way. At some point, Jason worked as a prison guard. As far as his romantic relationships, Jason had four children with three different women. In the spring of 2021, around the time he started talking to Eric, he began working as a police officer in Portland, Indiana, which is about two and a half hours northeast of Indianapolis. Now moving back to the narrative. Eric and Jason were talking online. Of course, Jason thought he was talking to a 14-year-old named Mackenzie. For this particular sting, the role of Mackenzie was played by a young woman named Kaylee Hull. She was an adult, but was young-looking. Eric was sending photographs of Kaylee to Jason. On a few occasions, Jason stopped texting Eric, but then Eric would send another message, like he was really trying to keep the conversation going. Eventually, they moved to Snapchat, where Jason felt safer because he thought the messages would automatically delete. At this point, Jason referred to Mackenzie as sexy. Eric started sending messages to Jason which were suggestive. For example, on several occasions, Eric sent the question, what else do you want to do with me? Again, it really seems like Eric was the one keeping Jason engaged. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, 
the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. About five weeks after they first started communicating, Jason started making specific sexual comments. They arranged to meet at an Olive Garden restaurant in Avon, Indiana. This is just west of Indianapolis. When Jason pulled up for the meeting, Kaylee approached the passenger side of his vehicle. She told him she didn't feel comfortable getting into his car. They should go into the restaurant instead. As they were walking toward the restaurant, Eric and his helpers confronted Jason and degraded him repeatedly. One volunteer says something about breaking Jason's neck and dumping his body somewhere. Jason was arrested sometime after this. His case went to trial. He was found guilty of one count of child solicitation. Jason Clark was sentenced to six years in prison. Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. Jason did not testify on his own behalf during his trial. Outside of court, Jason claimed that he knew that his conversations with Mackenzie represented a scam. He remembered Mackenzie's picture from another time when she sent him a message. He only communicated with her to disrupt whoever was perpetrating the scam. I don't think that Jason's story really makes much sense. It seems clear that Jason was guilty in reality. He specifically reminded Mackenzie that she was 18 when she would mention her age as 14. Item number two, most prosecutors will not work with vigilantes like Eric. They view vigilantes as dangerous and unhelpful. Put another way, they view them accurately. Many people in law enforcement feel the same way for a number of reasons. Just a few examples. The vigilantes are encouraging bad behavior. The evidence they collect cannot be trusted. For example, they could modify chat logs. The techniques they use would not be acceptable for law enforcement. Vigilantes could derail a current investigation, like they could destroy the efforts of police who are working to catch someone. The insulting confrontations, which are a cornerstone of their business, build sympathy for alleged perpetrators and erode what little credibility the vigilantes may have had. Vigilantes put themselves and the public at risk, especially during the confrontations. For example, in the case of Jason Clark, one of Eric's volunteers talked about killing him not knowing that Jason was carrying a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. Jason could have shot and killed them before they had any idea what happened. I doubt the confrontation would have been as enjoyable under those circumstances, mostly because of the murder part. Eventually, something like this is going to happen. It is just a matter of time. Every time a prosecutor gives in and cooperates with these vigilantes, they become part of the problem. Item number three. When looking at a number of these vigilante groups, not specifically Eric and his people, but in general, a few themes emerge about the motivation for conducting these sting operations. A few examples. Many of the vigilantes are motivated through their religious beliefs. They often have strong opinions about the nature of good and evil. They believe that criminal offenders are morally bankrupt and may destroy the planet if left unchecked. They see themselves as righteous and part of an eternal struggle for the souls of humanity. The targets of their sting operations are agents of Satan, and by exposing them on social media, they are defeating the devil. 
Someday vigilantes will be glorified because they live-streamed confrontations from restaurant parking lots. All the people in the world will acknowledge their greatness, as well as their skill with a cell phone camera. Everybody knows that Facebook Live is deadly to Satan. Some of the groups are associated with right-wing conspiracy theories, for example, QAnon. Therefore, there is a lot of discussion about evil conspirators who kidnap children. They think that Donald Trump is going to imprison the evil conspirators by being vigilantes. They are helping Donald Trump rise to power and lead civilization through a golden age. Many of the vigilantes are financially motivated. They receive money from donations, advertising, and merchandise. Almost all of the groups have one particular attribute in common. They fail to comprehend the risks of their behavior. Item number four. Most law enforcement agencies condemn the vigilantes, but at the same time, in some ways, they admire them. The vigilantes operate in a world without rules. They can do whatever they want. The evidence they collect is sometimes admissible in court when it would definitely not be if a police officer collected it using the same tactics. This has led to a number of police officers offering informal tips to vigilantes, like telling them what they should and should not say. This is not formal training, because that is not permitted, but off-the-record encouragement. Law enforcement views the vigilantes as a loophole to get around the rights of citizens. This is an exciting development because those pesky civil rights have been harassing police officers with impunity for years. Item number five, some people look at the behavior of the vigilantes and say that the ends justify the means. Certainly, many of the people they catch are guilty in reality, and many of them deserve to be in prison. Maybe if there were more vigilantes, these types of crimes they target would decrease. Here's how I look at this. The police are trained to conduct investigations, which will lead to successful prosecutions, and in theory, would protect the rights of citizens. Even with all their training, police officers routinely make terrible mistakes. They use excessive force. They do not address mental health issues properly. They plant evidence. They deceive. And they cover for each other. If trained and supervised police officers make all these mistakes, what chance does a vigilante have? Now moving to my final thoughts. It appears as though these vigilante groups are here to stay, at least for a little while. These self-righteous and self-appointed religious warriors only look good to some because they target those who look even worse. It's kind of like if Miley Cyrus was standing next to Yoko Ono. Miley might appear to have talent by comparison, but that doesn't mean she's a good singer. These simplistic and questionable tactics of vigilantes do not represent a moment of genius. They do not represent a solution. Rather, they represent an ill-advised attempt to solve a complex problem. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.